Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up in 20 minutes, Pro Football Hall of Famer Tim Brown will join us, plus Sean Merriman on the show just like that chad the final hours here from radio row at super bowl 57 and uh, the ceo is with us armando salguero the nfl let's see how many letters we can get this the yep. nfl ceo bmoc if yep. we're on a college from, campus from mia he's that also from yes from mia uh, our good friend and weekly guest on Outkick 360, Armando Salguero. Hud, it's amazing we have to go to a Super Bowl, you know, to catch up yeah. in person with Armando. Well, but look the, at the suit. That's the way it goes annually. Yeah, uh, so the suit, there's a reason for it. I'm maitre d'ing later on this <laughs> evening, you know, making a few extra bucks at a local restaurant, so I'm going to do that. You look the part. <laughs> if you're doing we, that, then we're washing we, the dishes when I saw you, When I saw you <laughs> walk in, Armando, I'm thinking, please, please, tell me he didn't get dressed up for us. No. On Radio Row. And I, was, I was thrilled to know that's not better. the case. Yeah. No, no. No, actually, tonight is NFL Honors. Mm. And so they don't allow schlubs in there, apparently. And, <laughs> and so you got to actually wear clothes that isn't denim. And, uh, and, and here I am who's with my going, polyester. Who's going to accept the award for Pat, Patrick Mahomes MVP tonight? Wow, look at you. You're, you're like. <laughs> I mean, we've known for a month and a half. Hard, haven't hard we? hitting. All but two votes? I voted for him. I voted for him. And, I mean, do we disagree? No. Yeah, no. He no, deserves yeah. it. No. no. Yes. But I just like people like, oh, it's, it's Mahomes or Hurts. Like, no, it's Mahomes. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> it was early on, it, Lamar, yep. Hurts. Um, Allen. Allen. Boy, Josh Allen. He fell off. <laughs> we haven't mentioned him in a while, have Ugh. we? Hurts was definitely the last to fall off, right, yes. in terms of the race. No Absolutely. doubt about that. Absolutely. And. I understand it. I mean, the guy threw, what, 25 touchdown passes or something like that and then ran for 1,000 yards and did a bunch of damage, and he played on the best team in the a NFC. So I get, the, I, I, I get the debate, but it's a quarterback. Oh, it's it's a quarterback. It's yeah, that's right. Armando Salguero with us. Uh, Outkick.com. He'll have full coverage of the game on Sunday. And uh, had full coverage yesterday of the State of the NFL presser from Roger Goodell. And it struck a chord with you as you sat there uh, with all of the woke initiatives that Goodell was pointing out. You wrote about it this morning. Yeah. So, you know, uh, obviously it, it's hard when you're, okay, so ageism. Mm -hmm. You know, the NFL, if you're older, they're going younger and at your expense by the way you know they obviously went with amazon they obviously are going to youtube for the sunday ticket and what is happening is they are off broadcast television because younger people are on the streaming platforms and what they don't mention when they tell you we want to attract those younger people is that the older people oftentimes have trouble figuring out those, you know, streaming services. And so they are making 
the obvious switch from one age group to another on purpose. Uh, they, they obviously are leaning towards what Roger Goodell calls diversity. And I get it, man. Look, uh, I don't look the same as you guys, right? So diversity is... You look fun. better. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, yeah, let's just state the obvious. Uh, yeah. But you know what? I, I, I want people to be hired because they are better. I don't want them to be hired because of what they look like. And definitely, they, the NFL loves their accelerator program, and it's a great program. The Tennessee Titans made a great, great hire in Rand Carthon because of that program. But what the NFL doesn't tell you is, in bringing in those minorities to those minority candidates to meet ownership, they are doing that for a certain group of people, but not for another group of people. And I just don't think that that diversity needs to happen when you are lifting up one group and stepping on another group. That that's what we came from. We don't need to continue to do that in reverse. Well, and speaking of you know where we came from and where we are now, something that really resonated reading your piece with me was two black quarterbacks going head to head in the same game. I did not know that was still a thing until someone wrote about it. But any I, any notion that anyone cares what the quarterback looks like no. in the NFL is just ridiculous in 2023. Was this a thing many years ago? Sure. And did it cause some problems before? I, I'm sure it did. But now, does anyone really even buy that, that people are looking at quarterbacks differently based on their race I didn't even think about it as an example when when it was Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes going head to head the actual question in the press conference was Roger uh, you've played 57 Super Bowls why did it take so long to have two black starting quarterbacks and and Goodell said well you know what uh it's a bad thing that it took so long what he should have said was we have playoffs right yeah they get there when they get there. Uh, the reason they haven't, and it hasn't happened before, is two guys from two different conferences didn't get there. Simple as that. It, it's weird that he's so, because uh, I heard that question and answer, and to me what struck me was, it's odd how quick he is to lay down on certain things, right? Well, if it's a question in that well, vein... Then he just lays down and says, well, it's, it's our fault. What, what? And I'm thinking, you don't say that about any – when the question about officials comes up, he's not admitting anything, any fault at all with the officials or his system, but yet quick to lay down when it comes to that issue. But I think well, here's, what, here's what he's doing. Um, he's not answering questions about Deshaun Watson like he was last year. He's not answering questions about uh, the diversity and the Rooney rule and the hiring process like he was in a couple, a couple of years ago, right? Because they've now tried to adjust all this. And, you know, he's the, the, what he's done is he's ensured that everyone else in here isn't talking about what Roger Goodell said yesterday when it comes to race in the quarterback position. Right. It was not a storyline based on the way he answered it. And right. that's why he did it that way. And oh, by the way, it was a tortured, tortured answer because he starts talking about how, well, you know, we have 11 black starting quarterbacks. Yeah. And everybody says they run the ball really well. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Really, Roger? That's where you're going with this? And what I think he said is that they are great leaders, and they're really smart, and they can, they can run offenses that are very complex. So basically, <laughs> the white guy is, is talking about, you know, how the black guys have gone from running really, really fast to now they're actually smart. Yeah. And, and, and I just got... It was awkward. It, it, it creeped me out a it little bit. It was awkward. Bit. It really creeped well, me out. But, he, but I, I don't... He's giving the answer that the media wants, that's asking that question. Because let's be honest here. He's standing up there, and there are two things that they want. They, owners, GMs, whatever, Goodell, they want to make a boatload of money and Amazon's paying a billion dollars for Thursday night. No one's turning that down, even if you'd like to stay on broadcast TV for the Thursday night football package. Number two, they want to win. And that's why the, the quarterbacks are played ahead of other QBs in this day and age. Uh, but he's giving the answer so that he placates to whatever storyline that is trying to be written that day about the issues that the, and the spin that the media wants to make it. Right. Um, look, we've got a situation in the NFL that where there is still a coach, in fact, several coaches, who have sued the league mm -hmm. and various teams for racial discrimination. And that is going to be very interesting when it gets heard in 2038. It's going to be super <laughs> great. Um, but it's going to be very hard to prove because I would say mm -hmm. to you that Racial discrimination institutionally in the NFL? I mean, show it to me. Prove it to me. And I don't think, I don't believe that hiring quotas is the answer for anything. And I don't believe that just because Team A didn't choose a minority, that makes them racist. I, I, I don't believe that. I, I'm sorry. I, I just believe the best in people. Now, if... One of those coaches has won a Super Bowl, and he's been undefeated in the past and has clear more experience than the other one, and that coach is black or Hispanic or Asian or Martian, and the other guy's a white guy, and the white guy with no experience, no record, and, and you know, no resume got hired. Now I'm st starting to look at that sideways, but how often does that happen? Does that happen? Because I don't know any examples of that. Well, Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday would be the one if, if that goes full time. But everyone's right. cool with Ursay because he took a stand against uh, the Washington Commanders and Daniel Snyder. At yeah, the he was the meeting. one. He was the one to speak so up. So no one's calling. He paid that his out. time. What we're saying is he paid his time with the media on that issue, and now he can go do whatever. And he, he has wants. a Hall of Fame head coach in his past, and Tony Dungy. Who? <laughs> well, I mean, let, let's be honest here. The Indianapolis Colts are a mess. <laughs> uh, Ursay is out there. Yes. Uh, the Saturday thing was an interim thing, and if he picks Jeff Saturday as the head coach, <laughs> it's way more about dysfunction and the bad direction that place is headed because of their owner meddling now and being overly involved, and to me, less about racism, right, with the white guy getting the job. In, in, in that instance, not that that's the case everywhere. Two other things you get into in the column, though. Globalism, yeah. the ageism part of it. 
I think those two are less about, you know, wanting to be woke and more about just wanting to make as much money as possible for the NFL. And, but they do that at the expense of the fan. I think you made a good point, Armando, about games going to Germany and England and how that affects the local fan or, you know, the fan that's been a, a fan for 40, 50 years of a certain NFL team. It's almost like the NFL is saying, we have you. You're not going anywhere. We can mess with you a little bit. We got to go get these guys in Munich. It's not just the fans. I mean, it's cities and towns. The, the NFL has decided that at some point, not this year, not next year, maybe not three years from now, but within this decade, they want to have teams in Europe, right? And they want to have more than one. They want to have a European division where they maybe have two teams in London, two teams in Germany. Okay, that's, that's fine. So what about San Antonio? And what about Orlando? And what about St. Louis? And what about San Diego? So you want those teams over there. What about the teams over here? Those teams here will also make you money. Those teams here will also raise profits. So what about here? Well, some of those cities are screwing over their fans, too. Just ask San Diego Chargers fans about that. The NFL didn't screw them over. San Diego did. Well, you know what? Maybe, if we're looking at it from that lens. Well, if we're looking at it, we're also looking at it as what owner ownership approved for San Diego. Because the fact of the matter is you had Miami and San Diego both asked local governments to build stadiums. Both Miami and San Diego told the teams, go pound sand. Yep. We're not doing a thing. One owner took, took uh, his stadium and redid it at the cost of $500 million, and now it's a premier stadium again. Yep. The other owner decided, I'm not pe- spending a penny. He's going to pay rent with, to the Rams. And be in a city where nobody really cares about them, nobody really roots for them, nobody really wants them, and it's kind of like a yawn that the San, Di- the San Diego Chargers no longer exist and now play in Los Angeles as the Los Angeles Chargers. Armando, you'll be at the game Sunday covering it for OutKick. What are you, instead of asking your pick, what are you most looking forward to seeing in this game as you prepare to watch? Yeah, thank you for not asking my pick because yeah. it's always going to be wrong. It's an awesome opportunity. Well, to look, get I'm it saving wrong. I'm saving it for the website too. You're probably going to write it or write about it, so I'll <laughs> I'll leave that for that content. You'll write about it post game and say you got it right. Yeah, right. This was actually the score I picked. It was 31-27. Yeah. I just f- forgot to file it on the site, but that's what I wrote. Absolutely. So, um, look, this is going to be a game where I think that. The Eagles are going to be and look like the more complete team. And for the Kansas City Chiefs to win, they need a superhero. And that superhero has to be named Patrick and Mahomes. And that's it. And if Patrick Mahomes is a superhero on that day, the Chiefs will be fine. And if not, the better team will win. Let me ask a follow-up on that because I think you also might have to have another superhero named Travis and Kelsey to go along with that for the Chiefs to get this win. And we know he's capable also. Absolutely. And, by the way, it's going to be interesting because the Eagles have a great front seven. They're going to attack Mahomes, and they have a 
a very good secondary, and they can cover tight ends. And we saw that George Kittle last week, or two weeks ago, was, you know, just a guy. He was, and I get it, he didn't have a quarterback with him that day. <laughs> they could throw a four. <laughs> they could throw for four, four yards. But you know what? Uh, <laughs> they've done it to more than one team this year. Armando Salguero has been our guest. Always great to see you and catch up Thanks in person. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, I'll take your orders now and, <laughs> and uh, get you a good table tonight. We'll both have the Chilean sea bass. Of course you will. Yes. Yes. Very, very healthy. Chad will take a drink with light ice as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very specific. And warm fruit. <laughs> if we're going to have dessert, the fruit must be warm. Thanks, good to Armando. See you. All right, man. The CEO, Armando Salguero. He's got coverage from NFL Honors tonight and then, of course, uh, Super Bowl Sunday between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Coming up, Pro Football Hall of Famer Tim Brown will sit down with us. And also Sean Merriman, just around the corner in 15 minutes. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network for Outkick 360. Pleased to be joined at our broadcast site here on Radio Row, Pro Football Hall of Famer Tim Brown and Michael Crawford, who is the CEO of Hall of Fame Village and their Perfect Ten project presented by Prudential. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate you. Good tell us here. about the, the project. Uh, well, I'll tell you, you know, from my standpoint, man, you know, uh, it's been a labor of love. It really has been, you know. And back in 2015, I'm getting ready to go do my Hall of Fame speech, and I have a buddy to come up to me and say, Hey, did you know that you're only the ninth guy to be a Heisman winner in the Hall of Fame? I was like, dude, 40, 50 guys have done that. What's wrong with you, you know? And literally on the, on the bus ride to, to my enshrinement speech, I'm Googling up how many guys have won the Heisman. <laughs> and uh, at that time, they hadn't added me. And uh, so I was shocked, man. But my immediate thought went to, wow, what an incredible legacy that, that is for the football field. But can we match that off the field? How can we get together and you know, form a foundation and partner with great people like, you know, like like Michael and Hall of Fame Village and Prudential, NFL Films and you know Fox, and uh, and do something great, man. And uh, so that that was the beginning of all that. And at you know going to the premiere on Saturday, uh, you know we're 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 very happy that we've accomplished some of the things that we want to accomplish. But we're hoping that this is the beginning of something big that as H2H legends, we can give back to the communities around the country. We've been to the Hall of Fame, Hutton and Michael, what you guys are doing at Hall of Fame Village, impressive. There's a lot going on right yeah. now. There's a ton going on. I'll tell you, we're creating physical experiences and then we're creating experiences for media and gaming. And when Tim called me and I think it was uh, 19, <laughs> and it was a Sunday afternoon, he says, Hey, I got something I want to run by you. About 30 <laughs> seconds later, I said, we're in. We'll, we'll fund this thing, and we'll be happy to tell this story. Because our tagline is honor the past and inspire the future. This guy does both of those things. So I think everybody's going to really love seeing this H2H uh, Perfect 10 premiere for sure. Um, Tommy Reese leaving for Alabama. <laughs> you know, it was a talking point on our show, Tim, simply because 
my initial reaction was, if Nick Saban in Alabama can get uh, a 30-year-old offensive coordinator mm -hmm. who played quarterback at Notre Dame to leave Notre Dame after one year where he stayed on and did not leave with Brian Kelly, right. who was unattainable for Nick Saban in Alabama? <laughs> that, that was my initial thought. I know you have thoughts on it as well. Well, you know, I, I hear a lot of money was involved with that deal, NIL <laughs> money and all that kind of stuff. So maybe a lot more than he would ever get at Notre, at Notre Dame for sure. But, look, I, I absolutely think this is the best thing for Tommy Reese. I think he's going to be in an offense where he can literally pick a play and it's going to work because of the talent he has on the field. And um, so, I, look, you do that two or three years, you go get a head coaching job someplace, and you build you build from there. So I think that's the plan. I don't necessarily, necessarily disagree with the plan. You know, I, I just think in a place like Alabama, this is going to be a great great spot for him. Um, Marcus Freeman, what, what do you think of him and the job he's done in, in a short amount of time? I, I love Marcus. I really do. And I, I think, you know, the love is so deep because you want so much for him to to, to, to – uh, to, to get it done on so many different levels. So, um, you know, at the same time, he knows, you know, you can't win, you, you can't lose at home to Marshall. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. can't, you know, those things can't happen uh, again. You know, you get that one shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, look, I, I think from that standpoint, you know, everybody understands that. That's why you go out and get a, a Sam Hartman, you know, and, you know, who they bring in at offensive coordinator is going to be huge. And uh, I think, you know, you go from there. But at the same time, uh the love, for, the love affair is over, and it rightfully should be, and now it's time to go get Gotta the work win. done. Got to go win. Got to win. You're a Raider. You know, a Raider is a Raider. <laughs> but is there an amount of times a team can move that lessens the experience <laughs> for a fan base? Because I'm thinking about people with connections to the L.A. Raiders, then sure. the Oakland right. Raiders, and then, you know, the Oakland Raiders again, a second go around. And now to get behind the city of Las Vegas, does it even matter anymore simply because the iconic silver and black, you could put them anywhere at this point and it doesn't matter, or does it eventually lessen the experience? Well, look, that, that only happened because of their relationship, a bad relationship with the NFL. If the NFL would have done what they were supposed to do, the Raiders would have been in Oakland forever. Mm. But that's, you know, that's a whole other story. But the Raiders didn't want to go to Vegas. You know, they I was up with the president at the time. The guy had tears in his eyes because he didn't want to leave. But they were really given no choice because the, the league wouldn't do what they were supposed to do. The city of Oakland was, was, was giving them problems, and the Oakland A's were, were giving them problems. So, And uh, playing on that baseball field is not what you want to be doing as no. a football player. So, no. uh, look, yes, I do believe what's happening now with the Raiders, their fan base, the fan base is still very strong, but they can't afford the tickets that you have in, 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 in Vegas. So when you go there, it's 60-40 now. It's yeah. not 95-5. It's 60-40. Yeah, 55-45 sometimes it feels like, you know. Uh, and that's not something that you're used to seeing because people were afraid to wear their colors yeah. to the Coliseum. Yeah. <laughs> you literally, Which was great for you guys yeah. on the field. Yeah. It was yeah. absolutely great. You know what I mean? And um, But, yeah, so I, I think from that standpoint, it makes what the players have to do a lot tougher. But uh, it's a situation that find, they find themselves in. I talked to Josh Jacobs earlier today, and he's – thrilled about being in Vegas because there's a lot going on that they can get involved with uh, off the field off the uh, off the field Tim whenever it, the start to your career really took off around year six if I'm not mistaken yet the, the numbers really cranked up mm -hmm. in the latter portion of the first decade mm -hmm. um, the patience that was with that could that be done today with players 
Um, it would be very tough. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like because, yeah because of social media and the pressure that you know, teams would be getting from fans, it would be very tough. But, you know, I think um, what the Raiders saw in me, you know, I had the incredible rookie year. I tore my knee up my second year. Third year, I got better, right? I returned punts, yep. returned a punt for a touchdown. My fourth year, my contract year, got a little better. Numbers went up. Um, everybody saw that I was getting better. And really, I should have been starting then, but Al had said that I wasn't going to start anymore. I was going to be the best third-down receiver, punt returner that ever played the game. That's what he said. And so I go into 92. Everybody knows I should be the start starter, but it doesn't happen until Mervin gets hurt, and then everything takes off for me. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I think I would have that fourth my my fourth year would, would have probably been my last year with the Raiders, and and uh, there would have been a lot of pressure to get me out and get me over to you know let somebody else come in. Is there something about Al Davis that's not documented that people wouldn't know? Because I feel like he's the owner that everyone has talked about. Be careful. And yeah. there's documentaries about him and everything else. He will else. come back. He will come back. Yeah. Get back the head. I mean, is there, is there anything yeah. about the man and your no. dealings with him that would surprise anyone? No, look, I, I think he had a very unusual way of motivating his great players. When you look at Hendricks, when you look at uh, Fred Belitnikoff, when you look at Marcus Allen, look at myself. None of us had a relationship with him. I never went out to dinner with him, never had a drink with him, never ever in my 16 years. I played more games with him than anybody in the history of the Raiders, and I never had that kind of relationship with him. And I resented that for a long time. A lot of what I did on the football field was because I was trying to prove to this guy that I was a guy, I was a man, I was, you know. You were worthy, I, right? I was, you know, and yeah. it never happened. Wow. But all of us are Hall, Hall of Famers, you know, and it, it took – my wife was very upset with me because in my speech, I did not recognize Al Davis, you know, because at that time, I was like, well, you know, he, he tried to hurt me, he tried, he da, 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 whatever. But a couple years later, I was getting ready to go into the California Hall of Fame. Mark Davis was there. I had a conversation with him before the, the, the ceremony, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. What if Al Davis would have came and put his arms around you? Would you have leveled off? Mm. Would you have done, gone down? The fact that he did what he did kept you doing this. Yeah. yeah. Good so point. for 400, for the 400 people in the room, I said, hey, 399 of y'all, y'all can lead the room. I'm talking to one man. And for 20 minutes, I spoke to Mark Davis. It wasn't really an apology, but it was like, let me explain to you my thought process and why I did what I did. And, you know, I think since that time, I felt better about the relationship with Al because I believe he did what he did to make me the player that I was. Get the most out of yeah. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Check out the, the Perfect Ten project presented by Prudential and uh, Michael Crawford, who's been our guest CEO of Hall of Fame Village, Pro Football Hall of Famer Tim Brown. And I can't wait to watch this, the Heisman to the Hall and everything in between. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, it should be good. It should be good. Yeah, should be good. No we, uh, we're very excited about it. You know, these guys, Earl and Tony, around here today. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal thing man uh, uh, you know so I, I think we're, we're looking forward to it and hopefully everybody will like it as much as we as we do it's right up our alley for sure yeah. thank you guys absolutely right, swinging by for having us. stay yeah. tuned to a lot more coming from radio row across the outkick network this is outkick 360 and it continues uh, live on radio row with lights out sean merriman who joins us live on site from Super Bowl 57 at the Convention Center in Phoenix. Good to see you again, man. Yeah, same here. Same here. Thanks no stranger to the show. We appreciate you as always. Absolutely. 
Yeah, doing my used to do my the, the weekly spots. Yeah, right? yeah. The radio man, it's pretty good. We, so, uh, it's funny. We just got done talking with our previous guest about the San Diego Chargers move to the LA Chargers, and then yeah. here walks lights out Sean Merriman, who knows a thing or two about the different level of interest uh, between <laughs> both cities with the Chargers that I'm sure you've seen firsthand. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. San Diego is the best place to live, <laughs> live in the country. Um, I'll argue with anybody when it comes to that. Uh, but I, I think that the move was successful and, you know, playing in San Diego and watching the fans, like, slowly migrate because you had some, mm. some, some fans that, like, we're not supporting the team in L.A., right? And every year to go by, they, you know, start trying to kind of trickle up a little bit. And now, you know, because you have a team with, with Justin Herbert, you know he's going to be good for the next decade. You got you know, the Mike Williams there, the Ecklers. So the, the, the morale, the energy is different in the stadium and so far now. We, we had DeMarcus Ware on earlier this week, and your name came up because you were drafted right after him. Mm-hmm. That entire first round is insane, yeah. the amount of talent in that draft that year. Well, you know, it's funny because um, – I just finished doing a Dallas Cowboys uh, okay. thing over there right now, and they were asking me about that draft. And, you know, Jerry Jones and, and Bill Parcells did tell me they were going to draft me. But also there were, like, two teams in the first, round, in the first ten picks that, all, that told me the same thing. So at that point, I'm like, yeah, yeah, all, all of them are going to draft well, me. Well, and the Cowboys had two picks in that yeah, first they round. They had two that picks, year. right, because yep. they picked Marcus Spears. Marcus Spears right, later. The I think 21 overall Yeah, Spears. 21 overall. And uh, you know, so the Cowboys, at the time of Redskins, now the Commanders, they told right. me the same thing. So it was you – know, the Cowboys weren't the only ones. And the Chargers had also told me the same thing. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm going to one of these four teams in the top 15. And uh, I think the bigger story, because I actually did talk to Jerry Jones, Bill Parcells, is, is, is the one that's out there. Have you thought about how things could be different if you were a Cowboy? Um, no. No, I mean, are you thinking about you know, it now that he's asked? maybe maybe you gave it a second? No, I was thinking because Ware said he maybe, had gone to San Diego had they drafted you. It was yeah, just kind of a flip flop. One hundred percent. Maybe no state tax. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, what are so you you've got your own five promotion yeah. now, and I mean the the amount of effort and money involved to back that. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to jump in and from this angle to to actually jump in and push fights now on on uh paper pay-per-view and everything else you've got going yeah on. well you know i started training back in uh 2005 and six with, with jay glazer actually so jay okay. i grew up boxing i had boxers in my family and jay said uh hey i think um you, you should pick up MMA to get better as an outside linebacker and pass rusher i said look whatever i got to do to be a better pass rusher i'll do that so he shot me an address the next day i showed up in the gym and jay glazer's right here and randy couture's on my right and so I'm looking at Jay like, hey, I'm not fighting Randy Couture today. I just want you, I want you to know that. Um, and <laughs> on so day one. I, on day one. <laughs> yeah. I'm just learning. It's not going to happen. Uh, and so I started to train with a lot of these guys every single offseason. And just I fell in love with the sport. So in 2018, I launched Lights Out Extreme Fighting. We are now on uh, Fubo TV, Fubo Sports. Uh, so if you guys don't have Fubo, get it. But we just had a big fight uh, in Riverside, January 14th, and moved into the top 10 most watched uh, on Fubo Sports ever. So uh, that was that was cool for me. You're right. It, it's a it's it's a it's a grind, man. But you know you, that I never really believed that quote when somebody said, if, "If you love what you do, it's not work." I, and I, I believe it, right? Because I actually love what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Love being around these fighters. And one of the hardest transitions for any former athlete when you get done is they'll tell you that they miss the locker room. And I'm around these fighters a lot, which is also therapeutic for me. Well, and it's it's it pretty incredible because so many players, especially ones that had your level of success could walk away from their career and, and do what, do a little bit of nothing right. for a long time and not take on a venture like this. So how did it go from Jay Glazer get you training to be, uh, you know, with MMA to be a better pass rusher to 
I'm going to start a promotion and I want to work with fighters. How, how quickly did that passion grow for you, even over the course of your NFL playing career? Well, you know, the, the funny part to me is that there's no bigger stage than the NFL, right? The production, you go out and you see the, the, the cameras flying over the top of the, the screen, the smoke, the lights, everything else. And so you already get a taste of how big production works. Um, and then going straight into TV when I got done, being, you know, uh, being over at Fox and, and, and getting on, on TV, radio, and getting those repetitions. So now you start understanding how TV goes and how, you know, ins and outs and, and the satellite trucks and, and just the production quality of that. And I said, hold on, you know, these are two, two things I love to death, right? You know, love being on TV, the production stuff, and I also know this sport. Um, and the passion of me training and still being, even now, I just, you know, I'll go and train with guys all the time. Now, I got limitations and, you know, what I'll do, but I'll still go and train. So I, I, I love growing this brand and, more importantly, give these up-and-coming fighters an opportunity to go and show their talents. And, and when they find out the numbers that we produced on FUBO, now these fighters and everyone else come and, want to, you know, come and fight in the car. Check out Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Uh, Sean Merriman with us on uh, Outkick 360. Um, could you play in today's game with the rules the way they are? Could Sean Merriman be Sean Merriman? Yeah, but I would be playing for free. <laughs> yeah, like you know, all the fines. Yeah, the fines. I would before every game, I walk right up to the office and just sign yeah. my sign my game check over. Um, you, you know, it's it's one of these things that um, I, I love the fact that the NFL they they've done a great job in protecting the fighter. I mean, protecting the players with mm -hmm. the helmet to helmet. I, I love that because back when I was playing, we didn't. The information wasn't out there about the trauma and the possible things that could happen to you down the road if you're not protecting your head. Um, I don't like the extra stuff, the taunting, right, yeah. the penalties, laying the quarterback down, you can't lay on them, you can't swing them down, you can't drag them down, you can't touch Drive into you them. Can't dri so when the, 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 the reason why I started playing football is because you can do anything you want to anybody, right? As long as you get them on the ground, that was the key. And mm -hmm. now it's becoming um, – how do you decide in those split seconds when, when that guy is about to go make a big play? So we had Brian Dawkins it's on. Tough, this is man. what I want to ask you about. We had him on earlier. Yeah. Brian Dawkins, obviously known as a big hitter. And he was talking about that, that, that to turn that mindset off. And we were asking about guys that are younger today. And he said, well, the advantage is they've always been taught that way to not necessarily lay the big hit so they can change their body and contort it. But when you decide, hey, I'm going to hit this guy, you know, then something happens where, I mean, I, it, to me it sounds impossible to turn that mentality in a split second off to I'm going to level him and get him to the ground to I better go chest up, head back, and just wrestle him to the ground now when I'm getting there fast, right? Well, you know, the, as, you, as you just said, the difficult part in that is you have to start young. There's no way as an adult, you've been playing the game this way for this long, you know, 15 years, right? Guys, yeah. in 20 years you've been playing. Mm -hmm. I've been play, I was played football at 11 years old. So you're telling me now that I have to switch my mentality from what I used to get applauded for, right? Remember my nickname was Lights Out. I, I used to. And the I, NFL, by the way, heralded that, yeah, right? There yeah, were they, they made money about yeah right. the jacked up segments. I mean, they, who, they would promote but, the big hits. Every network would promote right. the big hits. That's that stopped but now. Who, but. but who didn't like Jacked Up? I loved that, it. That was one of my favorite shows, and yeah. and I get it that they're trying to get away from the big hits, collisions, and those type of things. But that's why we love football in this country. That's why every we love the, the brutality of it. We love the, the, the gladiatorness, like that we love that part of it. That's why it's the biggest sport in this country. So there are some elements that you have to keep there to keep that's that's why you have a fan crying after a loss yeah. or happy or don't want to go to work or don't want to leave the house for a week because the emotions of the game of football 
get you tied into it. And it's because you have these two big gladiator guys out there trying to take each other out. And that's why we love the sport. You uh, you mentioned the lights out nickname. Yeah. Will you tell the, the audience who maybe <laughs> doesn't know the backstory of that, uh, yeah. the, the knockout power of Sean Merriman? Yeah, I, uh, I knocked out four guys my sophomore year in high school. <laughs> and uh, I remember about 20. <laughs> what a great start. Yeah. Four guys, sophomore year of high school. Yeah, I was, I was 173 pounds. Um, and I had t- about 20 students come run, run up to me after the game and said, oh, you knocked those guys' lights out. And I just said, hey, yeah, call me lights out. Didn't think nothing of it, right? I got in school Monday. This was pre-social media, pre-YouTube, and people called me lights. And I went home that day, and I begged my mom to let me get a lights out tattoo on my, on my forearm. And she said, boy, get the hell out the room, she said, <laughs> right? And so every day for two weeks, I asked, I said, we got to get this tattoo. So she let me get the tattoo, and I got the lights out switch on my right forearm, a tattoo, and that's where the lights out dance came from, flicking the switch on and off. Are, so. are you cool with Dana White? Or is yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah, are. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if anyone trying to do anything else in that avenue they're, that he they're would so, be they're so big. With. They're so big and so global, man. I don't think they really care. You know, about, you know I mean, they, they're so big and they're such a big brand globally all over the world. Yeah. I mean, it's no real competition. In the sport, in fact, but has I mean, he been helpful to you? The conversations he, you've had he, talking to you I, about the business? I, I, it's my fault because he always tells me to come and see him. Yeah, <laughs> we're not because we, we, I live in Vegas. You know, okay. I spend a lot of time in Vegas, and so he always tells me to come see him. I haven't yet, so uh, I do plan on it. But yeah, I, they had a big fight in San Diego. I was I was sitting with Dana the whole entire fight. You know, we were sitting together. So um, I've been, but I've been around this sport for, for 17 years. You know, back in my, my first fight I went to was like back in 2005, right? And when I was around all these guys. All, all the biggest fights, they used to come to the Chargers games. I used to give them tickets, and in return, I used to go and train with them in the off-seasons. What, when's your next event? Uh, April 8th uh, in Burbank, California. Okay. Uh, that, well, I'm not, I announced that card next week on LightsOutXF.com, but also, too, it will be live on Football TV and Football Sports. See, that's where the stress comes in for me if I were in his place because promoting this, I'm worried about injuries for tra- training, yeah. you know, card falling out, and how you replace all these moving parts or what, guy misses weight, whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's a ton of stress behind it, uh, for sure. Didn't you almost go to WWE? I or did. You did? Yeah, no. So I, I did a uh, – I actually hosted the uh, WrestleMania before the one that was in New Orleans. Okay. Oh, yes. Um, I did a uh, I did a pay-per-view with them in San That's Diego. Right, yeah. The one night the one night stand. I was on a part of the show. Uh, so it was it was always destined I was going to work with them in some, in some capacity. Uh, so uh, they had – they had just launched WWE Network at the time, so it was a lot going on, but – I went down and trained in Orlando at the Performance Center, which is great. I mean, they got a great facility out there. So it's not – it's never really off the table with me So because I, yeah. I still say, train. Would, you, would you possibly go back to that at I, some I, point? I would, um, you know, depending on the situation, probably more on the broadcasting side. But who knows, man? I I still talk to them a lot. I talk to a lot of uh, the guys over there at WWE. Well, what made me think – the Lights Out dances made me think of Dave Batista. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a very similar deal and it, it translates. Like you could bring over the whole persona of that. Yeah. And that's what you were trying to do. Yeah, yeah, and they they wanted it. Um and so it it's not off the table. I I that's still cool. talk to those guys over there and, and hopefully maybe some some time down the road we can work work together. We want, we need to get out to California, Chad, at some point and catch one of these. I, I would uh, cars. I would love I'd love to watch uh one one of your cars. Are you sure. strictly California? Yeah, we right now we are. Um for the our, license. For yeah, for the license. But also we're talking to Texas right now. We'll be in San Antonio cool. at some point and probably New Orleans. What, uh, t- Tennessee what, as well. Sorry, but what, what's the stress level like for you on fight night? Because it's not just the card and the yeah. fighters and the venue and the event. Now it's 
Fubo TV, Fubo Sports, making sure connected. everything's working properly. Yeah. <laughs> it's connected, and then you know someone's checking that, and making sure the stream is going out. There's a lot of things you're worried about. Oh, so you know it, <laughs> like all the things yeah. you said. Is I, a, I've never run a promotion like that, but I'm yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure there's yeah. a lot next to Corey and Chuck every day, yeah. so we yeah. know what it's like. Yeah, it's a lot, and you guys know over there. And I got a couple <laughs> grades popping in down here, probably from that, and you know, you got the satellite trucks, the TV trucks, the 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 beams, and and everything that happened, the, the lights and the venue, the people coming. I mean, it's it's a lot. So you never really let your hair down until that fight is over because sometimes you will have fights to scratch. We had, you know, two or three fights last fight to scratch. and um, But I, I enjoy it, man. Yeah. It's, 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 oh, it's, I, it's, I love it. It's one of those things where, you know, I, I wake up to, to do it every day. I wake up at 530 in the morning, I hit the gym, and then I'm working on Lights Out Extreme fighting every single day. LightsOutXF.com for more information on Sean Merriman's uh, fight promotion and uh, – much more coming from him, no doubt. Maybe we see him at WrestleMania at some point. Maybe we see him uh, in one of these celebrity boxing matches. Who knows, Chad? Well, it's always something new. Man of many talents. For Lights Out. Hey, good to see you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks Sean for doing Merriman Thanks for having me. has yep. been our guest. Hang with us. We will wrap things up with some headlines from across the NFL next and Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Radio Row, our coverage across the Outkick Network uh, with Rowan Hutton with you. And, Chad, Durant traded to the Phoenix Suns. We were leaving, Just across uh, the street. We were leaving dinner last night uh, in, in downtown Phoenix and walking out of the restaurant. This was the, this was the talk on the street. This was the hubbub that Kevin Durant was coming to this town where we are currently in Phoenix to play for the Suns. Huge move. Uh, Nets. You know, dealing uh, Kyrie Irving, and that was a, a big-time move to pair him with Luka Doncic in, uh, yep. in Dallas. And now Kevin Durant certainly um, entering a new era for the, the, the Brooklyn Nets yeah. at this point in time with both those guys moving on. Well, and think about, like, they had Kyrie Irving and uh, Ben Simmons yeah. plus Durant. I mean, it was just a mess. It, the whole Jason Kidd thing, um, or Steve Nash thing, excuse me. Um, and now Durant joins Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton here with the Suns. They're currently the standings. The Suns are currently like fifth or sixth in the West. And this puts them in that uh, title. They were already right there. Yeah. This puts them as the favorite uh, with uh, the addition of many who consider him to be the best player in the league. I don't think there's any doubt. You know, the, the only question is how quickly can – he assimilate to the team and, and have... He's used to it. Yeah, he's done it before, but I don't know that he's done it you know, this late in the season. I don't think he's been well, a mid-season addition anywhere. He's been well, off-season addition. That's true. And he's made it work quickly over the Booker, course of the season. He and Booker have discussed this before. You know, the last time that he discussed a trade, uh, Booker was lobber, uh, lobbying him to, to be in Phoenix as well. This is that uh, massive move uh, that could lead to a... You know, a, a Championship for the Phoenix Suns for the first time. Yeah, it's um, – I mean, they're going for it, you know, clearly. that This is a move done to say we've got – they've got a, an absolute superstar in Devin Booker already. Um, 
Aiton's a really good pro, and now you bring in another legitimate superstar and maybe the best scorer in the league. Pro not maybe, probably is, you know, yeah. where he is right now. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a go-for-broke move for Phoenix. It has the desert buzzing. And Matt Ishbia was just announced, approved by the league as the new owner of the Phoenix Suns, and 24, 48 hours after that, he's trading for Kevin Durant. That is how you... That's a power uh, move. That's how you get in good with your, your fans in a city. You take over, and then immediately you trade for Kevin Durant and go for a championship in year number one, yeah. season number one, for the new owner. Chad, uh, today has been jam-packed. Uh, uh, Val Kick Crew behind the scenes, crushing it. We appreciate everybody working on the show and making it happen, uh, which is not easy with all the moving parts here on Radio Row. We're back at it tomorrow as well. Uh, another great guest list lined up. Looking forward to it. If you missed portions of the show, interviews, and more, head over to outkick.com. Click on shows. You can find the podcast there. You can also just search us wherever you download your audio or find us on YouTube. We hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, when you have uh, the opportunity to go back and listen to some of the, uh, the great chats we had today. Tim Brown was awesome. Uh, having the chance to catch up with Hendon Hooker. Bruce Arians. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good day on the show. Uh, a lot of fun. Sean Merriman, who we just had on, always terrific. Armando. Armando Love in a it. suit. You know, yeah, not just Armando, suit, yeah. but showing up in a suit for us. I mean, just to go through all that effort just for us on this show, I thought was really cool of him. Um, the Hollister twins, it's been a fun couple days. We'll have a big day again tomorrow. And, again, we can't do any of this without everyone here that puts us on air. Everyone back in Nashville at 6th and Peabody yep. that's putting us on air and our, our great team here who's – Knocked it out of the park so far this week. Hope you'll join us for the Friday edition just around the corner, 3 o'clock Eastern. That's when we get things kicked off. Three hours of great guests from Radio Row tomorrow across the Outkick Network. Thanks for joining us today for Outkick 360.